Today's episode is brought to you by HomeShirts.com. Head to HomeShirts for all of your vintage apparel needs from Milwaukee, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and St. Louis, as well as many regional and national brands, along with some of your favorite defunct sports teams. Head to HomeShirts.com, use code PFTR, and save 10%. Now, on with the show. Hi, everyone. This is John Doerr, and you are listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Michael Thorne avoided all the stand-up comedy cliches, well, except for one. Married a comedy club waitress. What? A comic and a waitress? That never happens. Excuse me, mattress? I mean, waitress? We hear more from Michael in just a little bit, including how he eliminated the middleman and started booking his own show, something he's doing to this day. Also, you thought low gas prices were a good idea? Well, think again. Details coming up. But first, as always, fake news. And now fake news with me. President Barack Obama was displeased with Mitt Romney's 2012 election night concession call, says former Obama advisor David Axelrod in his new book, Believer, My 40 Years in Politics. Romney reportedly told Obama that he had done a good job of getting out the vote in Cleveland and Milwaukee, which Obama interpreted as meaning black people. Romney later clarified the comment, saying, no, I just meant Germans and hunkies. While most of the known world has weighed in on Seattle's late game play calling in the Super Bowl, the majority of that weight has fallen against them, of course. Uh, There's one person objecting. Patriots coach Bill Belichick himself said the criticism of the second and one slant pass, which was intercepted to seal the win for his team, was totally out of line. He also noted that the Seahawks must be feeling pretty deflated at this point. This past Wednesday, Staples announced that it would acquire competitor Office Depot in a $6.3 billion deal, leading many consumers to say, aren't they the same store? The chairman of the Federal Communications Commission just said he's proposing the strongest open internet protections the web has ever seen. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler said he proposed the rules because he believes it will promote competition, lower prices, and allow him to watch the Netflix series House of Cards without it looking all grainy and low-resolution-y. I'm not even sure that's a word. Seattle residents can now purchase cannabis the same way they buy soda and snacks, right out of a vending machine but only at a medical marijuana dispensary, and they must show a medical marijuana ID. The first machine was installed this past week, but on the first day, it jammed and didn't dispense the product properly. The purchaser was, like, bummed out, man. Totally. Nice little 70s joke for you there. CNN Money reports that Amazon has opened its first ever brick-and-mortar store. Amazon announced that it has opened a pickup-and-drop-off location on the campus of Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana reports CNN Money, who may be confused about what a store actually is. Sounds like Amazon has opened up a mailbox, etc. And finally, you can walk into almost any restaurant bathroom and see a health code mandated sign that reads employees must wash their hands before returning to work. But one senator is suggesting that businesses should be free to ditch that regulation. In a question and answer session Monday at the Bipartisan Policy Center, Senator Tom Willis, Republican, North Carolina, we've had clips of him on the show before, argued that restaurants should be allowed to opt out of certain regulations, such as employees washing their hands. Such a rule, he says, is an example of how America is one of the most overregulated nations in the history of the planet. Following the hearings, one of Tillis's overworked aides brought him a sandwich with an unusual cream sauce on it. Lindsey Graham asked for a bite. And that's been Fake News with me.
And now it's time for I Thought It Was Funny. This, of course, is a feature we do from time to time where I stumble across a news story or a current events item that uh, I can only come up with one joke for. And uh, this one comes to us uh, courtesy of uh, Nathan Backrack. He is a financial advisor. He appears on our local news here. I believe he's also syndicated around the U.S., so you may have seen him as well. I know he's on one of the big talk shows uh, that's syndicated around the country as well. Anyway, uh, we're all enjoying lower gas prices here uh, in America. Uh, it's down below two dollars a gallon, although it's jumped back up to like two thirty the past couple of days here. But it's you no, know, it's it's gotten away from four dollars a gallon, and we're all saving a lot of money. And I'm thinking like someone's going to point out that this is a bad thing, that somehow this is horrible. And uh, well, Mr. Backrock points out that yeah, this is great because you can save money, you can build an emergency fund. And maybe retailers will be helped out because people are spending less on gas, but spending more maybe at like Target or uh, the grocery store or whatever. Um, he, there is a downside to, uh, to lower gas prices. But energy stocks will keep suffering, and that could continue to take a toll on the larger market and your 401k. So this is why Wall Street is a bunch of nonsense. Because, yeah, energy stocks will go down, but what if you're invested in stuff that's not energy stocks? What if you're invested in the places uh, like a Target or a Kroger or something like a retailer and people are spending their money there? Won't those stocks go up? I mean, that's just crazy. We're finally getting a break on gas prices, but they're still going to try to find a way to screw you somehow. Because believe me, people will make money off the fact that oil prices are actually going down. They're going to find a way to screw you. The little guy just can't catch a break. You know, yeah, lower gas prices, but <laughs> yeah, but, but good luck with your 401k pal. So here's my theory, though. Uh, maybe if we can get gas up to $10 a gallon, I can maybe someday afford to retire. I thought it was funny. Michael Thorne is a stand-up comedian from the Twin Cities, where he's still based and not only performs comedy shows in the upper Midwest, but books them as well. Here now is our interview with Michael Thorne. Okay, joining us on VFC Recorder, it's Michael Thorne. Michael, how you doing? Good, how are you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Mike just laughed at me because uh, my throat dried up suddenly because I've been fighting this cold for a couple of weeks, and I got half right about to do his name and went, ugh. So, but we, we took that out in post. Um, <laughs> Please welcome God. Yeah, good. Uh, right, so, well, good to talk to you again, man. We did this uh, once before for print for uh, City Pages, but you have uh, have never been on the podcast before. So um, I have not. Yes. So um, you're getting more and more popular. Uh, there you go, yeah. Uh, so let's walk uh, folks through. You're from uh, Minneapolis originally, or Minnesota originally? Yes, yeah, Minneapolis originally, yep. Okay. And, uh, a little northeast. All right, there you go. So are, so are you a funny kid growing up? Are you just you get funny when you get older and people say, hey, you should be on a stage somewhere. Yeah, that's kind of the thing is, you know, you get tired of getting kicked out of class and fired for it, so you figure you better go someplace where they accept it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, you... I had... Uh, um, I was a music geek in school, uh, oh, but okay. didn't care much for uh, the uh, uh, academic part of it. And all my friends kept telling me I was funny. I went to school for radio and got a GED because my credits weren't, you know, where they were supposed to be. Oh. Uh, you know, that's the goofy thing is all, all my friends would say, you know, you remember more about these classes that you failed. When I when I uh, aced them, I'm like, well, I listened. They just didn't want to put it on paper because I thought it was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so, did, so you, did you watch comedians right. growing up, or were you just like deep into music and just yeah, kind of like, oh, I, okay? I, I watched comedians like crazy. I listened to George oh, Carlin okay. on on cassette and on vinyl before I ever even considered, you know, doing it. Um, so uh, 
you know, Richard Pryor and all those guys that were making a difference while they were being funny. And that's what I thought I was going to do. You know, I thought it'd be a social commentator. Um, but I, I figured out that your opinion splits the room pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. A lot, a lot of guys say that. Um, so yeah. when, when you're into the music, was you like, were you in like the school band, marching band or in rock uh, I band? Was a, I was a choir dude. Choir yeah, dude, okay. That, I was the, uh, the, uh, I was riding both sides of the fence because I'd be hanging out at the freak doors wearing a leather jacket and smoking and then I'd go up and uh, sing pretty in, in choir yeah. class. Oh, wow. <laughs> and in pop choir. So, uh, but did you have any uh, interest in like being in a band or doing that kind of thing? I did, yeah, and I did that too. I I, uh, I played drums, um, and then I actually ended up singing in bands. My brother had a band in like '84, and we did a gig at the Hollywood Theater in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, I thought that was really cool. That's what I thought I was going to do. But then when I figured out that uh, I was funny, I was like, well, there's a lot less shit to carry. <laughs> you don't yeah, have to pay you. as many people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard uh, guys say that before as well. So, what kind of music were you uh, into? I was uh, into uh, well the, the songs we were doing, and one of the bands I was in was like Boomtown Rats and oh. Talking Heads. Oh wow! Uh, as well as like you know Rush and things like that. Oh, so okay. I didn't sing the Rush songs; they did mostly instrumental stuff. But uh, I, I sang Talking Heads and Boomtown Rats tunes. Oh man, uh, that's cool. Yeah, um, but I've always been a big jazz fan too. So I, you know, I'd, when karaoke came around, when I was hosting comedy clubs in Minneapolis, most of the comics were just pissed. They're like, you know, no way, I don't sing. I don't have to. Uh, but they were telling me it was going to be another hundred bucks a week to do what I like doing anyway. So I'm like, sure, you need to give me free beer too. Right on, let's do this. No, there you go. Songs all night. So at, at what point though do you uh, figure it's going to be comedy and not music? Um, I think when I got out of uh, of school and um, was looking into you know a possible career in music and all the BS that went with it. Uh, you know, egos in a band. You know, uh, everybody wants to be the lead guy and. Um, it just got in the way of getting anything done uh, when, I, when I went to school for radio and realized that I was looking for jobs in these, you know, little tiny towns like Cricket's Dick, Nebraska, uh, really teeny. Um, <laughs> I would basically uh, realize that I'm, uh, I, I, if I'm funny and I go to these, you know, I had already done an open stage and I was like, I'm going to give myself a year to get paid doing this. I could go to these same little crappy towns, do a gig opening for somebody else for a hundred bucks and go home rather than going to make six bucks an hour, live there and work at a convenience store to make ends meet. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh -huh. So I started working for comedy clubs uh, as a door host and doing the open stages and just, you know, getting on stage as much as I could until they started to hire me as an MC a year later and just kept climbing from there doing road gigs and, so how often do you uh, travel now? You were uh, saying that you're home right now with your daughter, who's uh, who's poorly, as the English say. Yes, she's she's doing poorly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I traveled the road for the better part of twelve years, solid, uh, just doing it full time, and uh, developed a pretty good drug habit and <laughs> drinking <Whoa>. habit. <laughs> and, that happens. Uh, that does happen. Married a comedy club waitress. What? A comic and a waitress? That never happens. Huh. Excuse me, mattress? I mean, waitress? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were getting to the point where we wanted to buy a house, and I was getting tired of being, you know, uh, uh, hooked on, you know, I, I had pretty much scaled down to just weed, but I wanted to get rid of that, too, because I was just driven or ruled by it. So I, I uh, sobered up and got a corporate job, and uh, um that sucked the life out of me for a couple of years. So I got a different one. We had gotten the house, we were getting married and we decided to have the kid. Uh, 
we had looked into daycares and they all scared the hell out of us. And I was already burnt out on my second corporate job running payroll for companies. And I was, you know, two years is about as, as long as I can gobble the corporate cock before I start doing stuff that's going to get me fired. You know what uh-huh. I mean? So I, that's that's where I was. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stay home with her. I'll uh, do something part time and start to do more gigs again, um, which I did. And uh, I mean, I had I had got, gone to Los Angeles in uh, like 2000, 2000, I think it was. I uh, got invited out there to do a showcase for Showtime and Paramount. Which, you know, one set went awesome. They were talking about giving me a Showtime special. The next one didn't go so well. They were like, you're the funniest thing out of the Midwest. Get out of the Midwest. Move out here. I'm like, nope, I'm going to. I'm going to go start my family back in Minnesota. Ah. So chose to do that instead. Um, But then just started gigging again. Uh, And, you know, I was, I was still gigging, but I was just not doing as much of it uh, since I was working 40 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, But got back into it more and have, uh, uh, did some serving part time while I've uh, been home dad for my kids. And, you know, yeah, people always said, isn't that kind of different for you? You used to be party animal road dog. Now you're, huh, you know, sober and, and stuck at home with the kids. It must be really different. I'm like, apparently you've never had a newborn baby in your house. It's just like drinking and drugs. I haven't slept in three days. I <laughs> smell bad. I owe everybody money and I got a girl puking on me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Same thing. Only I love this one. There you go. <laughs> and I'm going to want to talk to her tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I hear a lot of guys um, and gals, you know, they, uh, they, they're doing, they're out on the road on the weekends, but they have, uh, you know, uh, either a part-time thing or a, or some kind of steady work. Uh, mm-hmm. back and to get the insurance to get the thing because, uh, you know, like as Steve Martin said, comedy is not pretty. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, people think, you know, you got to have just glamorous life living out there. It's like, yeah, it's awesome for like an hour or two a night and you got 23 to kill yeah. by yourself. Now, you know? I, who did I talk to uh, from, oh, he's from in uh, North Carolina and he said he loves traveling and he's based in New York now and he, he plays joke joint a lot. Uh, why can't I pull the name? I always do this. But anyway, he's uh, one of those guys that's, you know, he just loves, you can't imagine not being on the road, but he doesn't have a family, obviously. Right. And, uh, yeah, so for that's, him, though, that's the part that kills you. Yeah. Being in New York too long, uh, he's like, I got to get out of here. And, you know, he's, he's fine going to another town for a couple of days, but then he's in that town. And he's like, oh, okay, I got I to get out of here. I got to get back to New York or go to go on to the next town. So Right. Yeah. Stir crazy. It, and yeah. it was fun. I mean, there was a there was a blast for a long time just, you know, when you're living the party, but they're the, the ones that aren't going as well or, you know, you've been out there too long or whatever. Um, and, and once my first child was born, any more than, you know, two days, and I was a mess, and I needed to be back seeing her. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's – now it's a novel treat, you know. Now that I'm home all the, all the time, to go out on the uh, and do a road gig for a couple of days is like, you know, I, I check into my hotel room, I unwrap something, I drop the wrapper, and I'm like, I'm leaving that there. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nobody's going to get on my ass about it. <laughs> so how often do you travel now? Um, well, I also started a business. Uh, I uh, quit serving um, this last year and started uh, a business called Surely You Jest Entertainment. Oh. And I'm actually producing shows and booking comedians as well as doing shows. Oh, so cool. I'm out every weekend running shows at uh, Danger Fields in Shakopee. Um, okay. Because I, that's uh, one that I book and run the, run the shows there. And Courtyards of Andover. And there's one in Superior, Wisconsin uh, called uh, VIP that I book shows at once a month. Um, so I'm going out producing shows as much as I'm doing my own. And my wife actually goes and runs the club at uh, danger fields, like the nights that I'm gigging someplace else. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to make money on both ends of it and take some of the sleaze out of the booking side of this. Cause there are so oh, many yeah. gigs that I've worked and then found out that they took 500 and paid me too. And I'm like, wow, no wonder I felt the tip of somebody's dick in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because I was of, being screwed. A lot of horror stories, and I know like a lot of people, like uh, Jackie Cation, who's uh, came out of the Minnesota scene. I was saying, you know, yeah. some, you just have to uh, accept the fact that sometimes you're going to get ripped off. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not trying not to get screwed. It's trying to find the one that's going to screw you the nicest. Yeah, <laughs> the one's going to buy you a drink first and maybe spin you around the dance floor and make you feel pretty first. <laughs> so what what's the balance of you booking versus you performing? How does that what's that breaking down like these days? Well, now that both the girls are in school, uh, my normal day is I, I get them up, get them ready, get them to school, and get in front of the computer and uh, send itineraries, um, call venues that um, might be wanting to do comedy, uh, send promo to those, do all that stuff all day. And then usually there's one or two gigs that I'm going out to work each week. Okay. Um, this week I'm doing Andover myself on, on Friday, and then I run the, the other club on Saturday. Had a couple of showcase rooms in town, one at Nyes and one in Egan, where I was, you know, it was a showcase of new talent, and then I'd have one uh, paid guy closing the show, guy or girl, yeah, um, that I would, you know, pay some of what I was making, so it was, you know, making some money on the weeknights as well. But neither of them were drawing enough to continue doing it. I'm still looking for another one to do that at because I love continuing the process, giving yeah. people a place to perform. Um, that isn't so, I mean, cause some of these places are, you'll get on once a month if you're lucky and, and they treat you like dog shit. And it's just, I don't think there's any room for that in this business, you know, no, no. You know I like to be a little more nurturing besides which it's a great pool of talent to pull from when I need somebody to MC and I got a, a shitty budget, you know, I mean like, Hey, you need the stage time. I need somebody to host. Let's work this out. You know, we'll feed you and you come on and, and, you know, do your stuff and I'll tell you what you're doing right and wrong if you want me to. But otherwise, you know, I don't need to either if, if you don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, you've got a strong scene up there too. Yes. Yes. It's an extremely strong scene. It's, it's kind of in a resurgence. It's, it never really went anywhere, but you know, there was the early nineties uh, where we were still coming off the eighties boom where you put the word comedy on your marquee and the place packed. Oh yeah. And, now you got to pay people to sit in the seats damn near. Yeah, it's, it's tough getting people out. I, I do a trivia thing, and we're trying to find a new home for that. And it's tough getting people out. And then you know the, you know the restaurant. It's you know, they want people to stay for a long time. But then I'm like, well, but people don't want to stay for a long time. So finding right. that balance between keeping them there a little longer than they would normally if they were just there for dinner and buying maybe a few more drinks and some appetizers. Exactly. You want to keep them too long because then they're like, oh, we're not coming back next week. We want to be at nine o'clock at night and they got to work tomorrow and. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that, that's showbiz, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were running. You know, the the one night that I did pack into the one in Egan, um, it was you know I was like, this is awesome. They must be making somebody tonight. And he's like, we barely made it. And I'm like, well, that's partly because you're only charging three bucks a head for this thing, yeah. and you're running half price everything. And how the hell can you make money doing that? You know. Yeah. Um. So what's the farthest you travel now, though? Uh, out into the region. Um, I'm doing uh January. I think it's 10, 11, or no, it's 9 and 10 down in uh, uh, Fairview Heights uh, outside of St. Louis. Okay, Missouri. yeah. So, St. Louis is a good, good comedy town. Yeah, it is. And so if it's if it's a good enough gig, I'll I'll go that far. Um, and it's, you know, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or just Friday, Saturday, or whatever. I'll go out and do the hit and run and come back. Now my wife's in a position where she can work from home, and once I get him to school, I can take off, go out of town, as long as she's home in time to get him you know, and then uh, yeah. she'll work from home the next day that I'm gone. That's perfect. Yeah, that's that's the tough balance there because I, I got the same thing here. It's uh, although the one is old enough now, she can drive the younger one. She can pick her from school if we need to. So sweet. Yeah, yeah. When you get that level, that becomes very convenient. So um, you're telling me I should just give the eight year old the keys and she can drive the five year old? There you go. Yeah, get them start young. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's the first time I drove a car. So. Long, long, yeah, as long as you can see over the wheel, heck, you know. Yeah. Who's gonna know? I, think, I think I got arrested for driving a car for the first time when I was 14. <laughs> yeah, cops got enough, uh, enough, you know, uh, drunk drivers to look out for and everything. They don't uh, need to worry about your old driving. Yeah, no kidding. I, I, I should have said that when I got nailed when I was 14. Hey, I'm sober. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, I always do this joke, and uh, when I do the open mics, um, this uh, guy up in Michigan, and I've heard the story, was uh, this, his van got pulled over, and he wasn't driving, his, uh, his like, 13-year-old daughter was, and uh, they asked the, the, the guy, they said, why is, is your 13-year-old driving, or why are you driving, ma'am? And she says, well, my, my dad has been drinking, and I was just going to the convenience store to buy him more beer, and I was like, oh, <laughs> as a father, that's kind of heartbreaking to hear that kind of story, because I can't even get mine to get me one out of the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it, man. Um, uh, so what what would you uh, you say you're doing the hit and runs? I was going to ask you if you're going to St. Louis. I assume that that's a drive and it's a long drive, right? Right. Yeah. I could fly in, but I'd probably you know it'd make I'd, I'd spend a third of what I was making. And yeah, I, exactly. I don't want to do that. I mean, I have a I have a Prius now, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I guess living uh, where there's a hub like we do here, you mm-hmm. you have the option of flying. Uh, directly to a lot of places, but then you're going to pay the price. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if it's a, if it's a corporate gig, you know, it's certainly worth it. It's you know save you the time and and the, oh yeah yeah the road grind because as you get older, I mean I'm I'm 47 man that that road grind lasts longer. I get oh, home, my yeah. wife's like, can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm like, I need to sit down. You can oh, sit yeah. down for 10 hours. I've been driving for 10 hours. Are you oh kidding? yeah yeah uh, they they don't they don't understand. I mean no no. I mean, I've she done. The kids in. I'm gonna go get my brows waxed. I'm like, you've got the thinnest, daintiest eyebrows I've seen in my life. What mm. the fuck are they gonna wax off of you? <laughs> um, so, what ultimately would you like to do with your comedy? I guess uh, pursue more of the um, uh, more of the booking thing, or just kind of keep that balance going where you where you can do both. I or think, I think that's kind of my end game. You know, I, I I don't think I'll ever be able to quit performing unless they stop laughing. And at this point, I'm still having great shows. Uh, so. Um, I will continue to do that and you know uh, and, and book things. I'm hoping that I'm growing this this entertainment uh, company uh, to a point where I'll have enough rooms that you know comics love working my stuff. Comics love working things that are booked by comics because comics give say, a shit. Exactly. Yeah, make, you know what you're doing. They make sure that it's set up right, you know, that the, the other there are bookers in this in this country, in this company, or rather in this business that uh, they take a couple phone calls, they send a couple emails, and they don't give a shit how the show went. So yeah. you go, you end up showing up to this one nighter in Upper Michigan, where there's a microphone in the in a dark corner of a bar, and you got to yell over these shitheads all night. Oh yeah. Now, yeah. I show up to these things. I show them how to do it. If they won't do it that way, I won't do business with them because I'm, you know. And if they also want to do a, a gig where they're paying out two hundred and one hundred to the comics, those are nineteen nineties prices when the gas was a dollar a gallon. I won't do that yeah, either. Yeah. Oh, there so, you, okay. you know, they're getting paid better, unfortunately, because of that. If I'm in the same market or, you know, within a town of uh, one particular booker, they call my comics and try to get them to not try to, but threaten them with loss of work from their business if they don't cancel my gig. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's weird uh, across the business how, you know, people you would think would know what they're doing. Like we do there with a lot of publicists on our mm-hmm. end here, both at the podcast and with the print stuff. And you'd be right. surprised how many people... Uh, could use a publicist and don't have one, but then people that have them have rubbish ones that don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it's just unreal. Right. Yeah, so well, even the ones that do know what they're, you know, it, it's 
they say, you know, they've got a good reputation and they've been doing it for so many years. And, you know, I'm used to work for them directly. But after the fourth time, they tell you, hey, you can't work Walsall because we have a gig there. I haven't done your gig in a year. That's yeah. plenty of time in between. And you can't tell me where I'm going to work. It's called <laughs> restraint of trade. And it went out with Al Capone. You can't do that to people. There you go. Well, all right, man. Sounds like you got things uh, under control and uh, are moving in the right direction. <laughs> trying to, yeah. Still making the funny. That's the important part. There you man. go. You just got to make the funny about the uh, the everyday life things. And, uh, and you know, I just finally had my vasectomy, so there's a whole new chunk of material that I do on stage. I was going to say, what the, okay, cool. What else do you talk about besides that? Um, you know, the, the road dog days, um, the point of view of, of raising a, a child and trying to discipline them for things that I used to do. Ah, uh, there the you the go. minefield that it is to live with a woman <laughs> that doesn't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Man. <laughs> Reaching to the yeah. choir here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thought yeah. I heard you singing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She uh, she hates the fact that I do the podcast. It's just a, it's, it's a waste of time. I could be fixing stuff around the house. Right. So doing the silly podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she'll do that. What did you do all day? How come you didn't put up the Christmas lights? I'm like, uh, do, I, do I ask you what you did all day? How yeah. many you know, depositions did you do? How many position statements did you get done? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I am earning us money. Get off my. If if I told her one time, I said if I had a job where uh, my manager micromanaged me as much as you do, I'd quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't the fact that I love these other employees so much, I would quit you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the other employees. All right, man. I think it's a good place to leave it. As always, yeah. it'll be in print and online in City Pages uh, the week Next. that you'll be performing, and the podcast will drop uh, sometime. I'll shoot you an email when it drops. I'm trying to stockpile some of these so I have some like to go through the holidays. So I'm just trying to right run who's going to run where. So, but yeah, I'll I'll definitely uh, send you uh, an email and you can you can post it and promote it uh, at your end. And uh, hopefully we'll get you down here in Cincinnati sometime as well. It's a longer drive than Cincinnati, than uh, St. Louis, but um, uh, worth your worth your while if we can get we get you booked here. Absolutely. Cool, man. All right. Well, uh, good talking to you, man. Good talking to you. Right. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Michael Thorne for being on the show. You can catch Michael Thorne on the web at michaelthornecomedy.com. Thorne has an E at the end. Uh, you can probably just put it in your favorite search engine, though, Michael Thorne Comedian, and it'll pop right up. Okay, don't forget to listen uh, to Dan and Megan's new podcast. Uh, it's about the TV show Arrow. It's called The Queen's Gambit. You can find it at thequeensgambitpodcast.com. It's also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, speaking of which, we are now available in Stitcher as well, so you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us via the TuneIn app. Uh, also, tune in on the web or, of course, pfradio.podbean.com or on iTunes, all that fun stuff. Spread the word. And uh, Oh, the episode guide, you can link to from pfradio.podbean.com. Then you can scroll back and see uh, what comedians and musicians have been on. Then you might want to go back and uh, cherry-pick some of those episodes. Uh, please do so. I encourage that. Anyway, uh, Dan, of course, designed the PF Tape Recorder logo. Looking into getting some t-shirts from Home Shirts. Speaking of, go to homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Buy a shirt from the Cleveland page. It helps us out because uh, we get a kickback from that. But if you want to buy a shirt from any of the Home Shirts sites, feel free to do so. And the code PFTR should save you 10% on any of the city sites, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia, all of those. So uh, do check that out, homeshirts.com. Lots of great vintage apparel there. And, of course, uh, original music composed and performed by John Veropoulos. Uh, and with a little help from me, performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Uh, I believe that is all we have for this week. Other than to say, so long and thanks for listening. <laughs>